Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome back to the Believe in Indianapolis Colts podcast, everybody. This is Jake Arthur, joined by our brand new co-host, Zach Hicks. And we are here on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? Never miss an episode of the show by subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts. We'd love it if you'd also give us a five-star rating if you're enjoying the show. And please review as well. And we are now on iHeartRadio as of the last week or so. So if that's where you get your podcast on, go ahead and find us there as well. Thank you for joining us today, everybody. On today's show, we've got a great little interview with fantasy expert Michael Fabiano from Sports Illustrated. And then Zach and I are going to break down all this Colts and Houston Texans matchup for you. Uh, The Colts are taking on this Texans team for the second time in the last few weeks after narrowly beating them just a couple weeks ago in week 13, 26 to 20. The Colts are currently tied with the Titans atop the AFC South and are sitting in the AFC's sixth playoff spot out of seven. So they need to keep up those winning ways. They kind of control their own destiny, which is a good thing. You don't want to have to rely on a bunch of other teams. Before we get into breaking down the action, let's hear from our sponsor. The NFL season is in full swing. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. This is a tricky bet this week as the Colts are seven point favorites at home after winning by six on the road a couple weeks ago. The total point over under is also at 50 and a half. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there is always the online casino as well, it never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, now let's get into this whole thing. First, we'll go ahead and uh, introduce you to our new co-host here. He's not just going to be a guest anymore. He is part of the show. Uh, Zach Hicks from Stampede Blue. You guys have obviously heard him on here a couple times before. He is a newly married man. He's a dog dad. Zach, what is there to know about you? Tell our tell your new listeners a little bit about yourself. Honestly, those first two points that you just said are pretty much all they really need to know. Just newly married and dog <laughs> dog dad is pretty much uh, exactly what I go by. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm assuming y'all know who I am at this point. Um, I, I feel like I've been covering this team. Long and I'm not trying to sound cocky or anything like that, but um, we we have pretty much the same follow base here, Jake. Um, So yeah, I mean, if you guys don't know who I am, you guys are just a huge fan of Jake, and and that's all you really, uh, really all you get your Colts information from. Um, Yeah, I work over at Stampede Blue. I essentially got Jake's job when he left, and uh, you know from there I've kind of 
built my niche as the film guy on Colts Twitter and um, out, like basically all the people who cover the Colts. Uh, so I do a lot of film work for Stampy Blue uh, covering the Colts. And yeah, I mean, that's pretty much what I've been doing the last couple of years. I do some draft work for Cover One um, and then finally took this spot here next to Jake on this podcast. I got promoted from guest after we were talking bad about <laughs> Chaz Green and third down. For, so okay. I came on for the ultra negative uh, show and that's what got promoted me from, from <laughs> guest to uh, to co-host. So I'm, I'm excited to be here. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's right. I mean, you, you blew us away with that. Uh, but no, I'm glad you touched on the uh, the draft and the film stuff, because I think a lot of us kind of have a, a niche. All of us in the Colts media, there's kind of something we're all kind of more known for. So yeah, definitely. Uh, Zach and I are both draft nerds. So draft draft talk on here is about to pick up immensely. Um, Zach does really good stuff on on film breakdown. So that's that's going to be weekly must read stuff for you guys as well on stampede blue um so that is that we'll now tell you a little more info about this game of course with some background info uh it's sunday december 20th at lucas oil stadium here in indy it's a one o'clock kick eastern it is on cbs with greg gumbel rich gannon and jay feely on the call uh, you guys will also find out zach is just very anti-kicker so to have <laughs> Jay Feely on the sideline as uh, as a, a kicking analyst and, and sideline reporter. That's that's right up Zach's alley. Look, if, <laughs> he, if he can if he can make it to the point where I can, you know, if he can break down the kicking aspect, maybe I can respect it more. No, not really. Yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm <never gonna> <laughs> There were times no. last year where I would have taken him with with the struggles that Vinatieri was having. I would have taken Jay Feely in a suit at times. I mean, it couldn't have been worse. <laughs> God, I mean, okay, so this is all obviously audio, also. But what you guys don't realize is some people maybe think that Zach and the Colts' new kicker Rodrigo Blankenship, maybe maybe a little bit of similarities there. So. Uh, it's it's really easy for Zach to be able to embrace Rodrigo, especially since uh, Blankenship is actually making most of his kicks. And uh, yeah, so some of you had to take me to task on on calling Rodrigo Blankenship Rigoberto Sanchez last year. During <laughs> the game, but I think we need to settle down because it's very easy to, to confuse. And I'm surprised it took me until week 14 for that to happen. <laughs> I was honestly confused. I thought Rigo uh, made a big comeback or something. Like he just kind of came out of the tunnel with the smoke coming up or something. <laughs> just <laughs> like the ultimate warrior and that, that gif. But you know yeah. what? We will get to that here in a second about Rigo. All right. Um, this ref. Oh, you know what? All right. I should probably talk about the radio. Uh, on the radio here locally, it's on WFNI and WLHK with Matt Taylor, Rick Venturi, Lara Overton and Bill Brooks. And it's also going to be on ESPN radio with Roxy Bernstein and Ben Hartsock on the call. This referee crew this week is Bill Vinovich's group. Uh, Bill's in his 15th year as an NFL official. And among all the full-time crews, his group calls the second fewest penalties in the league. So that is awesome to hear. Uh, can Rocky Sin is just so pumped right oh, now. Oh <laughs> God, I know. I remember the, the, Week after the Rocky Sin game recently, the Colts were getting like the crew that called the least amount of penalties, and I posted that on Twitter, and everyone was like, "Rocky Sin applauds." <laughs> but no, that's honestly, a, 
<laughs> It'll be good. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be a let them play kind of game. Uh, all time, the Colts are 28 and 9 against the Texans. Uh, they own them. Not only does T.Y. Hilton own them, but his entire family, the Colts, own the Texans. That includes 1 0 in the playoffs. Uh, and the Colts have won four of the last five. Uh, some of the statistical leaders for Houston, Deshaun Watson, of course, leads them with 3,761 passing yards. David Johnson, even though he's been in and out of the lineup, leads them with 452 rushing yards. Will Fuller, the fifth, gone for the year with a PED suspension, leads them in receiving yards with 879 and touchdowns with eight. Uh, Zach Cunningham leads them in tackles with 127, and he's actually first in the entire league. Uh, J.J. Watt leads them in sacks with five, to no one's surprise. And this stat, this stat hasn't changed since two weeks ago, and it really just messes with my head. Interceptions leaders, Watt, Vernon Hargraves, and Bradley Roby are all tied with three, which means they have three interceptions on the season. It's week 15. There's three games left, and they only have three interceptions on defense this year. So that's that's really something. Um, as a group uh, across the NFL, the Texans uh, offensively, they're fifth in passing. Uh, Deshaun Watson's averaging 263.7 per game. He is tied in fifth in interceptions, which is sixth. Uh, the Texans in general are tied for sixth in giveaways with 14. Uh, but then they're 27th in sacks. They've kind of come down to earth there. They ranked a bit better. They were closer to the middle of the pack a couple weeks ago uh, before the Colts sacked them five times. And they're dead last in rushing at 86.2 yards per game. Defensively, it gets worse. Uh, they're 24th against the pass at 254.3 yards per game. They're 25th in scoring defense at 27.6 points per game. 25th on third downs at 45.8%, 31st overall at 406.6 yards, 31st against the rush, 152.3 yards per game. They're dead last in picks with those three and also takeaways with just eight. So those stats kind of tell you what we've been seeing all year uh, on offense. It's Deshaun Watson and Deshaun Watson only, especially with no Will Fuller anymore. Uh, it's just him passing the ball and they can't run it. Uh, and it's wild to think they rank 32nd in rushing, even though they have a quarterback capable of picking up uh, more rushing yards than the average quarterback. Uh, defensively, it's all bad. They can't really, they're middle of the road in getting to the quarterback, but they can't create turnovers. They can't stop the run. They can't stop the pass. Uh, they were middle of the road also in, in red zone defense, which I guess is a blessing when everything else is bad. So, you know, when, when it gets into crunch time, they can give up field goals instead of uh, touchdowns. So that's good for them. And now uh, something that, you know, this is this is absolutely weekly now. It's the milestone watch for the week. Uh, Philip Rivers. At this stage in his career, it's kind of like Adam Vinatieri, where every game there was something new waiting for him uh, in the in the NFL record books because of how long they've been playing. Uh, Rivers needs three touchdown passes to tie Dan Marino for the fifth most in NFL history with 420. This was big because at one point he was not on pace to get there. Uh, he's already met Marino for the fifth, or he already passed Marino for the fifth most passing yards, and now so. 
he he probably won't he may not get it in this game, but by the next game he should pass Marino for passing touchdowns. Yeah, uh, he'll he get it this year. Yeah. I I uh I figured at the beginning of the year it it needed to be like twenty three touchdowns to pass him and then however many yards. It, yeah. Honestly, if you go typically by Frank Reich's offense, like you know, the success that's typically here with Frank Reich's offense in the red zone, mm-hmm. uh the other year he would have got it probably by now, but the Colts yeah. will hit or miss in the red zone this year, but he should he still should get it, especially the way he's been playing lately. Absolutely. I mean, he's had multiple touchdowns pretty I think each of the last five weeks, mm-hmm. four or five weeks. Um, let's see. He also needs one game with three plus touchdowns to tie Marino for the sixth most such games in NFL history. Uh Marino at sixty-two. And this one, I've said it pretty much every week, but I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, Rivers needs one game with 400-plus passing yards to tie Roethlisberger um, with 12. Roethlisberger has the fourth most games in NFL history. Uh, Rivers is thrown for high 200s and into the 300s several times, but with how much they like to run, I don't really see 400 happening. Yeah, unless I they, they threw, I think they threw, what, 360 against the Bengals, but I think you know they were trailing mm-hmm. the whole game. So yeah, they, they had, had to. Yeah, they yeah. had to do that. Um, yeah, unless some guys just get crazy run after catch like Pittman or, or T.Y. Hilton, I don't really see them getting close to 400. Exactly. I, th- I think they'd have to hit a couple a couple touchdowns of longer than 60, 70 yards. Just... Yeah, and with the way the Colts' defense has been this year, there's not really a need for him to throw for 400. Because no. even in the Bengals game, when he was throwing, when he threw for 360, the defense kind of locked it down there in the second half. And, you know, he didn't have to keep throwing it the entire second half yeah exactly i think the recipe for this game just won't really call for that uh and then ty hilton he's on the cusp of passing and tying a bunch of franchise placements moving moving up in in the franchise record books uh if he has a decent game especially if if that includes a touchdown uh there's so much involved in that i'm not touching it until after the game we'll cross that bridge when we get there because yeah. he's going to meet some of those, but there were too many to mention. Because uh, he's been on a tear lately, and, I, and honestly, his whole season was a slump up until a couple weeks ago when he got his, his annual game in Houston and went off, and he hasn't stopped really going off since. Um, next, this one I think is interesting. Justin Houston needs three sacks to hit 100 for his career. He got three sacks in that last matchup with, with Houston. That's by no means something you should ever expect a player to have, even Aaron Donald in a game. Um, but a hundred sacks is that's that's that first really big mark that you want to see a um, a potential Hall of Fame pass rusher get to. You want to see them have a hundred career sacks. And yeah, I think like ninety something percent of pass rushers who've hit a hundred sacks have made the Hall of Fame. I think absolutely, it's a lot. Yeah, and I mean, it looks like he's still probably got another couple seasons left in him, you know. So um, I don't know that he'll quite get to where like Mathis and Freeney got. I think they wound up around one thirty, so yeah. he shouldn't get there. But he'll he'll eclipse a hundred by the end of the season, I'm sure. Uh, and then Rigo, wait, no, damn it, seriously, <laughs> Rodrigo, not Rigo, Rodrigo. He's got a couple things coming up. Uh, we've still got a damn it. We've still got a few games left in this season, uh, but he just needs uh, he needs four field goals uh, to pass Raul Alegre for the most 
field goals by a rookie in franchise history and just two extra points. So he could get that for four field goals and two. I mean, he'll get he'll that get, by the end of the year. Yeah, he'll get it in the season, maybe in this game, but who knows? I hope he doesn't kick four field goals. I hope it's all extra points in this one. Right. Yeah. I mean, if he's kicking, because, you know, his field goals are all from the red zone, anyways. He, so many of his field goals have been short because the Colts haven't, haven't converted. So hopefully for the Colts offensive sake, he's just kicking extra points. Uh, yeah. some of, some of the main storylines in this one always leading off with injuries. Uh, Mo Ali Cox is the only Colt who has not practiced this week. Uh, we're, we're recording this Thursday night. Uh, so there's still Friday, but he hasn't practiced yet with a knee injury. Uh, some really good news is Darius Leonard and Xavier Rhodes have both been full participants all week. Uh, Leonard kind of hurt his back a little bit in that last game and Rhodes, uh, he hurt his knee in that game and it looked a lot worse. Like, you were maybe thinking like what happened to Paris Campbell or that level of yeah. severity, but he's, uh, he's apparently fine. He's been a full participant because that would have really left him shorthanded. Uh, Rigoberto Sanchez is back on the field punting. He's been a full participant. And I mean, I'm not, I'm not his doctor. I can't, I don't want to say anything with certainty, but he kicked that, that week that he found out that he had the, the tumor. And if he's a full participant all week so far, I don't, I don't imagine why he wouldn't be kicking this weekend. But maybe they gave him one more. I, yeah, I think I mean, it, the Colts it, did protect Allen this week. I think. Yeah, I, I think they're preparing just in case they might need him. You know, but yeah, I, I think that's up to the doctors, and I think it's probably up to Rigo. Uh, and then mm-hmm. Kamoko Toure has been back to being a full participant uh, with that ankle designation. What what have you kind of thought about Ture's young season so far? Because he's back. Everyone was waiting for him to be back. I think expectations were probably a little higher. Uh, he's only seeing a handful of snaps each game. But that ankle obviously still seems to be a little bit of an issue. Yeah, I think he's only had a total of like 30-something snaps throughout these four games. So it really hasn't been that much. Uh, so, you know, I, I think it's kind of been – you know, obviously hasn't been anything great. He's got a couple pressures in the first game. Uh, but for the most part, he's been going against elite offensive tackles. You mm-hmm. know, in his first two games, it was against Bakhtiari, and then it was against uh, Tunsil. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he's gone against some tough ones. I think last week, Colton Miller. I mean, Colton Miller's not elite, but Colton Miller's a fine tackle as well. He's long uh, as so hell. Think, he's like, what, 6'8", yeah. and his arms are probably 36 inches at least, yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. So, you know, those are kind of tough matchups, especially when you're coming back from such a, a big injury to, to that affects his game. So uh, I think he's just going to get better, especially now that he's a full participant. He's starting to get healthy out there. Uh, and I think once we start seeing him get more into like the teens of snaps or maybe even the 20s uh, in terms of snaps in a game, we could see him having more of an impact. But right now he's not getting many snaps. And, and when he's out there, you know, he's going against top tackles. So I don't really, I don't think there's really too much to say about it right now. Just, mm-hmm. you know, it's a, it's a slow process and it might not even be until the playoffs that we see him completely, you know, healthy like he was maybe last year even. Yeah. I, I don't think it's anything that's concerning. I, I, it, it does seem something that's worth watching, you know, him develop and get a little more burst because I'm sure that's part of it is it's an ankle and he's a speed rusher with a lot of explosion. So there's a lot of burst to take into account there. Uh, as for Texans injuries, running back David Johnson is back. He was on the COVID list last week. 
but Duke Johnson, who has picked, no, not David Johnson, but Duke Johnson, uh, who has picked up a lot of a lot of the running back slack this year. Uh, he was downgraded to a do not did not practice on Thursday with a neck injury. So um, normally, if someone gets downgraded during a week, that always bears monitoring. Uh, so we'll we'll see who their running backs are because uh, Procise also did not practice Thursday. Uh, a couple That's big of, if Duke Johnson. Duke Johnson. Is, yeah. You know, he's a legit player. So. He, yeah, he's a bit more versatile. Um, David Johnson has been a disappointment running the ball. Uh, so they don't – They, I mean, they're dead last in rushing. Neither of those guys are having a banner year, but Duke has been their most consistent runner this year. Yeah. Uh, their defense has taken a couple really big hits this week. Starters Justin Reed and Brandon Dunn were both placed on uh, on IR. Justin Reed with a hand injury. He's their stud safety. He's been, in my opinion, he's been one of the better young safeties in the league since he came in. And Brandon Dunn, uh, defensive tackle, pelvic fracture. So holy shit, uh, that's that's between the pelvic fracture and then Frank Ragnow getting the fractured larynx. I was gonna bring that up. Yeah. What a wild, what what a wild ass week of injuries. Dude, I would never put on pads again if I had a fractured throat. I just hang him up with oh, that one. No, no that, not worth it. Yeah, that's Henry Anderson. Whew. Yeah. All right, so next up, uh, we're going to get into our an interview that we were incredibly excited to get with Michael Fabiano of Sports Illustrated. Uh, he broke down a lot of the Colts' best players for fantasy this week. All right, guys, we've got a very special guest today. We're in the throes of the fantasy playoffs right now, so we've got someone perfect to talk to all of us. I've been following his work for years previously as a fantasy expert for CBS Sports and NFL.com, and now with Sports Illustrated, it's Mr. Michael Fabiano. Michael, thanks so much for joining us. How's it going today? My pleasure, man. It's good. It's, I can't believe, I mean, we're, we're like, what, a week from Christmas Eve? And uh, the fate of a lot of fantasy teams uh, are going to be on the line here this weekend as we all try to get to that championship. Yeah, absolutely. Wild, absolutely wild year, that's for sure. Uh, so it is the playoffs. It's the perfect time for us to overthink every little matchup. Considering the Colts played Houston just a couple weeks ago and there were some nice individual performances, mm -hmm. uh, does that change at all how you feel about anybody in this matchup? Or is it more of a ride the hot hand type of thing? I mean... The, the good thing is that the Colts have a bunch of hot hands, right? <laughs> Jonathan yeah. Taylor's on fire. So, I mean, he's in your lineup. He's a top 10 running back this week. You know, T.Y. Hilton's been – he's just absolutely owned Houston in his career, and he had a big game against them a couple of weeks ago. Uh, he's had 15-plus points against them, I think, in five of his last uh, six or four of his last five. He's been very dominant against Houston. So, after you get, you know, three good performances from a player, you, you kind of – feel a little bit more confident in him and, and ty hadn't really done much up to that point but you know now he's a he's a wide receiver two flex without question uh philip rivers now i don't think i'm starting philip rivers in a traditional league but in two qb super flex leagues i mean he is absolutely uh in that lineup against houston uh, their defense is is not looked good lately yeah absolutely that that uh that trio was was pretty good especially in that uh in that previous matchup just a couple weeks ago mm -hmm. are are there any more you know deeper looks you know the the Colts run three tight ends you know they they like to do a platoon of running backs are there any kind of sleepers you think have starter upside this week 
when I'm when I'm looking at a week 15 matchup with a championship berth on the line, I kind of want to avoid tight end committees. <laughs> I mean, so like, I mean, I know that there's been weeks where Trey Burton's been pretty good, right? I, I, I can't go there with the Colts. I can't. Uh, and, and that backfield, the last three games, Jonathan Taylor has been active. He's been the guy. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, he had that one game where he was on the COVID list and Naheem Hines uh, put up a pretty good uh, number. But I mean, outside of that, the last month, it's been the Jonathan Taylor show. And uh, kudos, Colts coaching staff, because we've been waiting for this all season long. So I, I try not to get too cute. I mean, Michael Pittman Jr. is probably in the mix, too, because the matchup's good, right? So you could probably uh, start him maybe as a, as a wide receiver three or flex if you're in a league with multiple flex positions. Uh, the Colts defense is a, is a nice play, right? I mean, Deshaun Watson is, you know, a great quarterback. But, boy, I mean, uh, even if Brandon Cooks comes back, uh, still – Missing Will Fuller has been has been tough for him. Rodrigo Blankenship, I really like this week. He's a top five kicker, and kickers are people too. They score points, <laughs> points and points in fantasy. So uh, the Colts do have some attractive options for this weekend. Yeah, and you mentioned Taylor as a good start this week. It's definitely been a roller coaster of a season for him. Um, how grateful are you as, as a fantasy player now that he's kind of validating all that preseason hype? Very much so. We're seeing it with a few teams now, right? Like the Rams are finally going to Cam Akers. Mm-hmm. It took a while, but they're they're finally doing it. Uh, and the Colts are doing it with with JT. And the Ravens, to a degree, are doing it with J.K. Dobbins. Like Mark Ingram's disappeared. It used to be a three-headed backfield monster. Now it's a two-headed backfield monster with Gus Edwards and Dobbins. And Dobbins is a, is a pretty good start now. So I prefer that this happened in week one because the Colts were a disaster from a fantasy perspective in that backfield, because you never knew who was going to get the touches, right? I mean, Hines had the big game in week one, everybody jumped on his bandwagon and then it was kind of you know back and forth. And Jordan Wilkins had a couple of good games in there as well. And you're just like, I don't know who the hell to play, but now we know it's JT. And I think, I think Hines can be a flex starter in a deeper league because the matchup's pretty good. But all the confidence is in that rookie running back right now in Indianapolis. Yeah, I think most fantasy owners are going to have a pretty keen eye on this matchup this weekend in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, Michael, thanks so much for joining me, man. It's uh, It's been a pleasure having you on. You're, you're definitely someone in the fantasy community that's uh, been someone for, you know, for me, it's been very easy to look up to you as someone who's who's done things well. You know, you're you're not a jerk. Yeah, you're not a jerk. You do things uh, well. Your your advice is always great. So yeah, uh, very much appreciate having you. I appreciate it, man. Uh, always good talking to you, Jake. Yeah, absolutely. Have a good one. You too. Happy holidays. Thanks again so much to Michael for giving us his time. Like I mentioned, he's been a great influence for someone like me who provides fantasy advice professionally. It can make you nervous to get started in that field and share your thoughts with the internet and you know, people online are are mean, you know, <laughs> they'll uh, tell you you're stupid and your takes are, are dumb. Uh, but he's very welcoming. He's a gracious guy in the fantasy community. Uh, you can find his weekly position by position start and sit advice on Sports Illustrated. And he's also on Twitter at Michael underscore Fabiano. And he's also on Cameo. And this is the perfect time of year for that with the fantasy playoffs. And many of us are playing in championships in the next week. It's the semifinals. So if you want a well-known fantasy expert to talk to talk a little trash to your opponent, go ahead and hit Michael up on there. 
As for my weekly fantasy advice, I pretty much echo him on this one. Uh, the guys I highlighted in my Week 15 fantasy preview on allcolts.com were quarterback Phillip Rivers, running back Jonathan Taylor, and receiver T.Y. Hilton. In his last five games, Rivers is averaging 284 passing yards per game and has thrown 10 touchdowns compared to just two picks. He has had a very uh, fantasy startable performance against Houston just a couple weeks ago, and he's one of five opposing quarterbacks this year to throw for at least 250 yards and two touchdowns against them. As for Taylor, in his last three games, he's averaging 138 yards from scrimmage on 21.3 touches. He put up single game career bests in each of those three games and scored three touchdowns, including David Montgomery last week and Taylor the week before that. Nine opposing running backs have compiled at least 100 yards from scrimmage against the Texans. Those players averaged 151 yards per game and scored a total of 10 touchdowns. And there were also two other runners who had 99 and 98 yards. Just like Taylor, T.Y. Hilton has come alive in his last three games as well. Uh, he scored his first four touchdowns of the season in that time, and he has put up the three best performances of the season in terms of yards. His slump buster actually came against Houston two weeks ago. Uh, Hilton is one of nine receivers with at least fantasy, 15 fantasy points against Houston, averaging 7.7 receptions for 113.7 yards and scoring 11 touchdowns, which resulted in 22.8 fantasy points per game. Around the league, the guys I consider booms this week who should outperform their rankings. Uh, Jared Goff, who's currently quarterback 13 against the Jets. Josh Jacobs played last night. Uh, that's the, the Raiders running back. He was RB14 against the Chargers. He scored 18.9 points, so that should be a hit for us. And then T.Y., of course. He is currently ranked wide receiver 18. As for the busts, quarterback Taysom Hill. He's quarterback 11 versus the Chiefs. Miles Sanders, he's running back 12 at Arizona. And then Adam Thielen, who's wide receiver 12 against the Bears. Guys I'm adding this week, they're owning 40% or less of Yahoo Leagues. We all know who the, who the players are by now. Uh, there's only a game or two left for most fantasy players. So these are probably mostly going to be bench guys. If, if you suffer some disastrous injury, maybe you could start them in a pinch. Uh, but A.J. Green from the Bengals, he's owned in 37%. Quarterback Jalen Hurts from the Eagles, 32%. Wide receiver Tim Patrick from the Broncos, 31%. Wide receiver Marquez Valdez-Scaling from the Packers, it's 23%. And then quarterback Tua Tonga-Vailoa from the Dolphins is only owned in 21%. On the offensive side of the ball... I, I think it's I think the the writing is on the wall obviously with what you'd like to do. Uh, Houston's dead last against the run, and or no the thirty first against the run, um, but they're they're giving up like one hundred fifty yards a game. The Colts run game is really rolling, so I would imagine you just want to run the damn ball. Jonathan Taylor is on fire. Um, Anthony Costanzo being back is huge because Chaz Green and you know. That was a Chaz Green game. He got some isolation with J.J. Watt and Jacob Martin. So big difference there for the Colts. Uh, the offense completely sputtered once Costanzo left the game last time around. Um, so I think we'll see a little more st stability from the Colts. Um, they ran the ball well in that game, but should be able to do it even better. Uh, maybe that opens up some play action. Uh, what, what are you looking for, Zach? 
Yeah, again, it's kind of just run the ball. I mean, like you said, they're they're 31st against the run in terms of yards per game, but I believe uh, they're giving up almost six yards a carry this mm-hmm. year, the tech, which is you know by far and away the worst in the league. So, uh, yeah, it, it's a really bad run defense. I mean, if you, you they don't really have the speed to get to the outside, they uh, their linebackers are a mess at, at diagnosing plays and getting into their their run fits. And their defensive line, even with Brandon Dunn out there, was struggling to really stop the run. Now they're going to have young guys out there like uh, like Blaylock and and uh, uh, well, an older guy in Corey Legion. So yeah, I mean, I, I don't really know. I, I think that you just got to keep running the ball in this game. Uh, you got to keep that pressure off Philip Rivers. But you know, when when they want to drop back and throw it, they they absolutely can because they have receivers who can beat this this weak secondary that the Texans have. I mean, their their only real secondary player who's been playing well this year was Justin Reed. Uh, I really don't think there's any guy in their cornerback group because uh, I think they're they're rolling out Vernon Hargraves and um, I can't even remember who their other the other outside corner is on the other side. But uh, yeah, it was, I, it was supposed to be Gary on Conley, but he hasn't played this year. Right, um, he's been banged out. Solid last year, but yeah, I don't really see any like if you know I would say run the ball obviously early and often get keep Jonathan Taylor rolling, but. You know, you can build off that with play actions, especially with the way T.Y. Hilton's been playing with how Michael Pittman Jr. has been working on those crosses and inside routes. So, yeah, I, I just really think this should be a game where there's no excuse for the offense not to go out there and, and put up some points. Uh, last time they played this team, they kind of had to have that short passing game because Chaz Green and, and the Raven Clark were out there at left tackle because Costanzo was kind of ruled out uh, right before that game started. So it, it did kind of limit them a bit, but, you know, with the offensive line all playing in this one, uh, receivers all healthy and starting to roll, Jonathan Taylor playing great. There's really no excuse for this offense not to put up some points against this uh, really bad Texans defense. I mean, the Texans defense gave three touchdowns to Mitchell Trubisky last week. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Mitchell Trubisky looked like a really good quarterback again. Uh, so, you know, this defense is just not playing well right now. Uh, so we really need to see this Colts offense continue the hot streak they're on and, and, you know, they, they need this game, again, to, to make the playoffs. I mean, every one of these last three games is important. Uh, so this offense needs to come out and, and play because, you know, Sean Watson's not going to not gonna roll over. He's going to score a little bit on our defense, uh, no matter who he's playing with. Uh, so the offense needs to keep pace, and they need to, to put up as many points as possible on this really bad Texans defense. Yeah, I, I see this potentially being a, a gaudy offensive performance by the Colts. Just the more I look at it, they've just got next to nothing on defense anymore. And JJ Watts, only one guy, like they're obviously going to focus on him, but he, you know, they they proved it, you know, a a couple weeks ago, Hilton went for 110 Taylor had 90 yards on just 13 carries. Like I I think that's the one where they didn't even run the ball until the fourth quarter. Um, Yeah. With him, they they had Hines and Wilkins kind of running it in the uh, second and third quarter. Then they, they put Taylor out there to kind of run it out and pound the rock. Yeah. And David Montgomery, you were mentioning the bears last week, David Montgomery ran wild on them last week. So, uh, I mean, I've been wrong before, but I, I really, I really see this be a, being I mean, a heavy Colts. Look, Taylor last week, Taylor last week in every little thing he did from, from manipulating rushing lanes to making guys miss to hitting that second gear when he had an opening, I mean, everything he did last week, he looked like a star running back. Like, yeah. he looked legit last week. So, if he can even bring a semblance of that into this game against such a horrible rush defense, I mean, this run defense is atrocious. And, yeah. you know, obviously they have J.J. Watt. They have Cunningham, who's a fine linebacker. But for the most part, this run defense is really bad. 
I really, there's really no excuse for Taylor not to go off again in this week. Mm, uh, and right again, so. the Colts need it. They, they need, they need the big offensive production this week. And, and I think just with the way Taylor has been playing with the way Rivers is playing with the way Hilton's playing and having the whole offensive line healthy, uh, th- this really needs to be a week where the offense just, you know, puts their foot on the, on, you know, full throttle ahead. And they just kind of roll up this, this Texans defense and, and put up a, a pretty big point production. I think so too. It kind of reminds me of, I think it was like week 11 last year against the Jaguars. They ran for well over yeah. 200 and Mac and Jonathan Williams both had a hundred yards. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it seems wild, but Jonathan Taylor's 241 yards away from a thousand. I, th- that's every running backs goal at the beginning of the season. I wouldn't be surprised if they're talking about that in the building this week. Like they can say they don't look for individual stuff a lot, but like those offensive linemen might want to get in. I mean, how many times did he run from 200 yards at Wisconsin? <laughs> so, I mean, maybe he won't get it and he yeah. probably won't get it, but I think he's going over a hundred for sure. He's putting a good effort into it. Yeah. And then well, there's the- a couple things. I mean, he, like he's close to a thousand yards rushing. Mm-hmm. Naeem Hines is I think 300 yards total away from a thousand yard season, like, mm-hmm. you know, receiving or rushing. Uh, so, I mean, if they get after it this week running the ball, I mean, both of those guys could get one step closer to their goals. So, yeah, I mean, again, I, this just needs to be a big offensive production game. I mean, again, like I said, Watson's not going to not score. You know, Deshaun Watson's going to do his thing. He, I mean, he's he's a special quarterback, uh, even on a really bad team. Uh, so the offense needs to go out there and just, you know, put up 30, put up 40 points. And I think they can – they absolutely should be able to do that against this Texas defense. I think so, too. Um, so – whether or not it's a shootout, looking at the, the defensive side of the ball, uh, Deshaun Watson is, you know, that's issue A, B, and C that you have to look at when looking at the Texans' uh, offense. So leading into that last matchup, they were keeping Watson relatively safe. Uh, you know, Tunsil is a, a really good pass protector. Uh, they they were, like I said, middle of the pack in sacks. Now they're down near the bottom. The Colts got them for five sacks last time. Uh, DeForest Buckner had two. Justin Houston had three. The Texans don't turn the ball over very much as well. And the Colts got two off of them in that one. Kenny Moore snapped a streak of like 237 passes, I think it was, for Watson uh, without an interception. This defense, they know Deshaun Watson. Like, they can never stop him, but they make plays against him. Um, yeah, I will say, like, out of all the teams that play against Deshaun Watson, I feel like Matt Eberflus knows better than anyone else how to at least slow him down. Yeah. And I think what we've seen at least the last couple of years is even when Watson beats them, it's either a great play by Watson, a great play by DeAndre Hopkins in years past, or just a big defensive, like, singular error. It's not really the scheme ever really getting beat by Watson. Yeah. And I think Eberflus just really understands – what to call to kind of slow down and limit Deshaun Watson. I mean, we saw it in the playoff game in 2018 when he held, when they held him to seven points. Uh, we, we saw it, you know, every, it seems like every big matchup we've seen uh, this defense step up and, and really get, you know, kind of get Watson out of his comfort zone, which many teams can't do. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think Matty Reflux and his defense do know him very well. I mean, especially Kenny Moore too. Kenny Moore yeah. has a lot of <laughs> in these matchups, but uh, yeah, l- like you said, I mean, this is a, this is the one team where even though Watson's insane, I feel like I always feel kind of confident that the defense has a plan in place to at least slow him down and get him off his all out of like out of his comfortability. Yeah. I, 
the the Colts defense against Watson, it's usually a do your job thing. Cause like yeah. you said, there there's defensive breakdowns that lead to this and that. Like even in that game a couple of weeks ago, QT had that like 60 yard play. Now mm-hmm. a lot of that was breaking down and Watson finding time, yeah. but QT was wide open. You know, if they don't make those type of mistakes, and if I'm not mistaken, Kari Willis was out of that game. Yeah, yeah. Wilson was there. So um yep. yeah, you have more continuity on defense this time around as well. Uh, as far as I know, they're pretty much at full strength defensively. So that's they they should be able to handle Watson as well as you could handle Watson. And again, he's just still got no weapons. Um, QT is is pretty much the man. Brandon Cooks is out there, but they handled him well last time. He's he's got a few tight ends, but you know what can you do? And next up, it is the four horsemen segment. Uh, Zach, you're new to us, so we'll let you go first, brother. Um, so the four Colts players that it can be, you know, you either think it's these four guys are going to have the biggest game or the four most important Colts players to, you know, factoring into them winning. All right. So I'm going to go with biggest game because, uh, you know, I can do most important by just saying Philip Rivers four yeah. times or, or right. stuff like that or or Matt Eberflus four times, you know, stuff like that. But uh, four guys I'm going to say have a huge game. I and mean, the first one I think is is pretty obvious is Jonathan Taylor. Uh, I think just the way that he's been playing the last couple games, along with how bad this Texans run defense is, along with the Texans run defense losing Brandon Dunn, losing Justin Reed, uh, and the Colts offensive line being at full health. I, I just think a lot of things point to Jonathan Taylor having a huge week. Uh, so, yeah, I think that's just going to be number one right there. Uh, number two, DeForest Buckner, uh, just because what we saw – the last time the Colts played the Texans, I mean, I, I, it was one of the more dominant uh, defense alignment performances I've ever seen. I mean, they, they literally couldn't block him. I, I, there was not a guy out there uh, who could even slow down DeForest Buckner. And I know that was his first game back from COVID list, so he was kind of really amped up to play that one. But again, when I look at that interior offensive line they have, there, there is not one player on this uh, Texans offensive line that can block him one-on-one on that interior. So... I just see another huge game for him. I, I really don't see any way that they're going to uh, slow him down whatsoever. Um, going to number three is T.Y. Hilton, uh, just obviously against uh, against the uh, Texans. I mean, that's just what he always does. I mean, he always goes off. And, and again, just like kind of Taylor, we've seen these last couple of weeks, he's been playing at such a high level. Uh, and it's not just playing on, on the outside or beating guys deep. He's doing it everywhere. He's playing in the slot. He's playing on the outside. Uh, he's beating he's winning short intermediate deep i mean he's kind of doing it all he's playing like i don't even want to say he's playing like hilton of old because he's looking like a different type of player where he can kind of win on all areas of the field on on so many different routes so i think he's just been outstanding these last couple weeks and uh number four i'm going to go with anthony costanzo mainly because last week or last time we played the the texans we really saw this offense limited by Chaz green and LaRaven clark being out there uh just the fact that costanzo is going out there is going to be huge for this offense regardless. But uh, if he's able to have a good game, he's able to, you know, J.J. Watt, who moves around all across the line, uh, if he can slow down Watt, if he can slow down Jacob Martin, who had a couple of good plays last week or last time we played them, uh, I think that's just going to be a huge boost to this offense. So, uh, yeah, those are the four guys who I think have big games. But, uh, you know, obviously there's a lot of other guys who could have. I mean, Kenny Moore is probably due for a big game against the, the Texans as well. Yeah. Man, for real, I thought we were about to have the same four there for a minute. Oh, we're close. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty close. <laughs> I I think it's relatively obvious in, in, in this matchup, though. Uh, obviously, Taylor, 
we saw in his Wisconsin career, he's a big momentum guy. Uh, if, if he's just eating defenses alive like he was against Las Vegas last week, you know, 12 yards, 13 yards, you know, keeping those legs moving, pushing the pile. That's Jonathan Taylor football right there. Like, yeah. I feel like that stuff gets him going. And I don't see why this Texans defense would be able to stop that. He should be running very confidently. Uh, so I think he has a big game. T.Y., obviously. Um, a, a sign for me that I knew T.Y. was back to being T.Y. this year was those vintage seven routes. Uh, that we saw him and Andrew Luck get so good at, at doing together. It's like him and Phillip are finally really clicking now. They can hit those routes. Like you mentioned, short, intermediate, long. The the 41-yarder last week was – or yeah, I think it was 41 yeah. yards. That was such a breath of fresh air because T.Y.'s had touchdowns, but he hasn't had that long touchdown yet. Um, so that that was great. I, I think T.Y.'s yeah. confidence – yeah, he put Eric Harris in the blender on that route. I mean, it was yeah. it was a jab step. <laughs> it was, I mean, that was just that was vintage Ty right there. Just the yeah. way he, I mean, they they isoed him with the safety and it was it was gone from there. Yeah, they just teams can't do that. Uh, I also had Buckner uh, for my next one. Interior pressure is you know critical when when facing you know all offenses find it hard to deal with interior pressure like that. Like you mentioned, they don't really have an interior lineman that can handle it. Uh, you know, Nick Martin's going to be really pissed off heading in, into this one because of that botch snap last time. But he can be as mad as he wants. That that doesn't mean he's going to be able to, to defend a Forrest Buckner all the way. Uh, my last one, though, and I usually highlight him in this matchup, is Darius Leonard. Uh, I feel like he usually really steps up in this one. Um, I, I also kind of wanted to pick Kenny Moore. Uh, but Darius, you know, he can he can spy Deshaun Watson. He understands him. Uh, I think he matches him athletically. Um, without DeAndre Hopkins, it's not quite as critical. Um, but I, you know, Darius Leonard is just a big time playmaker, and he steps up in those moments against uh, against Deshaun Watson. Yeah. And you know, we'll we'll give Kenny the the honorable mention. But you know, Kit, Zach Hicks is has been the biggest. Kenny Moore flag waver for forever since he was wearing number 42. So Zach, how happy are you that he's actually getting some national pub over the last week or two now? It's about time, man. It really is like, yeah. I, you know, I, I'm, I've always been a big Kenny Moore guy. I mean, I, I was like, I, I think right when I joined, you know, covering the team, it was in 2018 mm -hmm. uh, in the preseason where I was, you know, talking big about Kenny Moore. I thought, he had the potential to be a great corner for this team. And, and obviously he, you know, he did that in 2018. I mean, he's just been the perfect fit in Matt Eberflus's defense, but you know, 2018 is when he really broke out. I mean, 2018 is when he should have been a household name. It's, it's crazy that it took until 2020 for people to start being like, Oh yeah. Kenny Moore, one of the better slot corners in football. Like it, it, it's crazy that it took that long. I mean, he even got the big contract after 2018 yeah. uh, where people should have taken notice then yeah but, the, the yeah, Colts made him the, the highest paid slot defender in the league last summer before the season started and yeah. people still didn't really wake up till this year yeah it's crazy I mean I I really wish I mean I've been saying this for a couple of years as well uh, I think a big reason why slot corners don't typically get the the positive pub or get all the uh, like accolades and stuff is I, I think it really should be its own position mm -hmm. in terms of Pro Bowl voting or in terms of all pros even 
I don't like that they just kind of unanimously call it cornerback because a slot corner and an outside corner are completely different. It's like it's like calling an offensive tackle and an offensive guard the same position or calling a uh, defensive end and defensive tackle the same position. They're, they're completely different. Uh, slot corner has to cover more ground. They are typically not in the press. Uh, it, it's, it, they have to play, you know, they, you have to be like great run defenders because they're right there in the box. Uh, it's just a lot different. There's a lot different responsibilities. They cover different players. They're not the same position at all. Uh, so I think, you know, hopefully one day we get to the point where the NFL acknowledges that and they change the position around. I mean, we, they've luckily gone from outside linebacker, defensive end, they kind of called it edge now. So we, we have started to get them a little bit closer after things like that, but I don't know. I, I, I don't know what, what it's going to take to get slot corners recognition. I mean, there, there's a lot of them around the league that are just great players. Uh, I mean, I, I think the Steelers have Mike Hilton. That's, that's excellent as well. Um, you know, a lot of these teams, uh, I think Kendall Fuller is playing some slot over there in, in Washington. He's playing great. A lot of these teams have really good slot corners that just don't get that national publicity, even when they make splashy plays and they make splashy plays in prime time. I mean, I think Kenny Moore had a, a great pick against Deshaun Watson in prime time last year. Um, yeah, I don't get it. I don't, I don't know why it takes so long for some of these guys to get to that national level, but I'm glad Kenny made such a splash play last week that people can't really ignore him anymore at this point. I mean, he's been the best slot corner in football the last three years. And, and he's uh, again, he, he should be a pro bowler this year. He should have been a pro bowler last year. He should have been a pro bowler in 2018. But um, even if that doesn't happen, at least we can all acknowledge that, you know, he's, one of the faces of this defense, uh, one of the best players here in Indy. And, and honestly, just a great face to have in this whole community as well. I mean, he's just the perfect player for this team in this, in this city. So I'm glad that he's playing the way he is and the way he has the last couple of years, you know? Yeah. He, he's a perfect Chris Ballard player in my mind. Like uh, Chris wants guys that are good in the locker room. They earn every, every cent they're given, you know, they're, they're team first guys. They don't take days off. And, you know, on, on top of it, Chris Ballard wasn't even a big Kenny Moore fan at first. Chris yeah. likes to be challenged. And then so Kenny challenging him and wind up getting the biggest slot contract from Ballard, that, that says something, you know. Um, I, I kind of view Kenny like Chris Harris Jr., that that former Broncos slot. I yeah. think he's with the Chargers now, but he's been hurt. Um you know, kind of an undersized slot guy, but he plays pretty much every snap because he can go inside and out, just like Kenny does. He, he plays like 100% of the snaps. Um, but I think the difference is Chris Harris was on the Broncos with with a very vaunted defense that had Vaughn Miller. Peyton Manning was on offense. They were, they were in the playoffs all the time. Um, maybe the Colts being more perennial playoff contenders. Maybe Kenny has to break the record for – cornerback sacks in a postseason again to get get national attention because 2018 that's exactly what he did he had a big game against Patrick Mahomes um yeah well the Colts were kind of already getting beat pretty bad at that point so that was yeah that was gross my favorite comparison I've ever heard for him is you know you know the Colts run a lot of Tampa too they run a lot of cover two defense because you know uh if you go back far enough Eberflus comes from a tree that was essentially Tony Dungy's tree that was there with the Tampa two that kind of originally created that Tampa two. Yeah. Uh, I, I like the, I like the Rondé Barber comps, you know, like I, I obviously yeah. he's not Rondé Barber. Uh, Rondé Barber is a elite hall of famer, but I like the comp that he is that for this defense. Cause he, he's Rondé Barber for this defense. That's he's, he makes all the plays whether it's sacks, forced fumbles, interceptions, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, he's basically their momentum guy on, on defense and he just makes things happen. Uh, so yeah, I think Kenny Moore is an outstanding player. I think uh, he's one of the more underrated players in the league. If you just go from a national level and he, he's the best slot corner in football. I mean, stats backed it up, his play backs it up. Um, and yeah, like you said, when you think of Chris Ballard as a GM, the first player you should think of is Kenny Moore because that, I mean, obviously Darius Leonard and Quentin Nelson, those were big, yeah. you know, big, <laughs> well, but a guy like Kenny Moore who came from being cut by the Patriots to now being the highest paid slot, you know, deservedly the highest paid slot corner in football. That that's what it means to be a great GM and, you know, getting a guy like Kenny Moore like that, uh, just outstanding work. And, and obviously again, testament to how good Moore has been. Yeah. And that, uh, that Rondé Barber comp is, is pretty legit. Um, Steven Holder has said something kind of similar along those lines because this defense, you know, they, they want that dominant three tech, the will linebacker and that kind of roaming slot outside cornerback like that. And they feel like they have that kind of a lighter version of that Tampa, you know, Derek Brooks, Warren Sapp and Rondé Barber. Steven is, you know, Steven covered the Buccaneers mm-hmm. and, and Rondé Barber personally. So he, you know, I've heard him kind of tie those links together. So that is, that is legit. Um, So with the four horsemen, the freaking longest version of four horsemen, wherever. The Kenny Moore four horsemen. (laughs) Yeah. So guys, you are, you are going to need to realize right now that these episodes are about to start getting very, very much longer. Cause anytime Zach and I go on, can, you know, collaborate on some project, we talk a lot. So these episodes are going to start creeping up. The biggest advice for people listening to podcasts, listen to it on one and a half or two speed. Yeah. Uh, listen to it a little bit faster. I've heard that's always great. I, I personally haven't really done it yet, but I've heard that's a great way to get through podcasts. You get the same info, but you get a little faster. <laughs> exactly. Uh, okay, so this this will be a good one for us. We're going to get on to the questions uh, that you guys asked Zach and I on Twitter today. First one is from our dear friend Felipe Costa. Based on the Colts' strength and weaknesses, what would be the best matchup for the Colts in the wild card? Also, is coffee good or nasty, and why is Zach wrong? Because <laughs> oh, coffee's nasty. It's Zach, nasty. Zach is a coffee hater, and I am a coffee addict. So we we divide the line. First episode, we're already gonna have our first fight. So there's that. <laughs> I was literally finishing coffee. It's cool because. When my wife gets home and she hasn't finished, you know, all of her coffee because she just has a couple sips, I just drink her coffee from the morning too. So I just drink it all day long, basically. Oh. Um, so I'll I'll let you go go ahead and start first with who you think the Colts would match up best with in the AFC Wild Card. I'm gonna have to bring up this the standings real quick. Damn. No, I'm because it's gonna be the top four are gonna be Chiefs. Steelers, Bills, Titans. Yeah, the Chiefs and Steelers are looking like they'll probably have a bye. Uh, well, there's only, well, only one team with a bye. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. I, you know what? And currently the Colts are actually scheduled to play them, I think. I might say the Steelers. Um, and which, you know, I could be proved totally wrong mm-hmm. uh, when the when the Colts play them next week if the Colts get beat down yeah. by them. But, <laughs> so, you know, we'll, we'll reserve that judgment there, but I just think when you're looking at it, I think the Colts, the way that the Steelers offense is playing right now plays to the Colts strength where Roethlisberger is not attacking down the field at all. 
their whole offense is underneath and, and creating yards after catch. And they have one of the worst rushing offenses in football. And then if you look at their defense, it's still a great defense, but they're starting to trend down a little bit with the losses of Devin Bush and, and Bud Dupree, who were both playing great before they got injured. Uh, so I think, you know, with, with their defense trending down a little bit, with their offense pretty limited, I think that might be the better matchup for the Colts. Because if you look at the Bills, the Bills are rolling lately. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have one of the best offensive coordinators in football in Brian Dabble. Uh, Josh Allen's playing out of his mind. Their defense, even though it's been a little up and down this year, they, they have a great coaching there and and they know how to win certain matchups. And then the Titans, uh, you know, the Titans, I think the Colts can definitely beat and handle. But, you know, Derrick Henry and, and Ryan Tannehill, A.J. Brown, that's a tough trio to beat. Uh, so, yeah, I, you know, I'm going to say the Steelers. I, I think just the way that the Steelers are trending right now and with their offensive struggles and their defense kind of come back to reality with with Dupree and Bush's injuries, I'd probably say the Steelers are the easiest one for the Colts. Yeah, I think I'd agree. The Steelers' offense, it doesn't seem like it would be that that much of a hurdle for the Colts' defense to handle. Like you yeah. said, Roethlisberger is doing nothing downfield. Uh, Juju has not been as much of a factor as you would think. Deontay Johnson's been pretty good, but I think he leads the league in drops. Um, yeah, it's I would, either a drop or a big play when he touches the ball. Yeah, I I would love to see the Colts against Eric Ebron in the playoffs. Yeah. I think we all do. Um, but yeah, Buffalo is a little bit of a wild card for me. Like, I think they'd be able to play Josh Allen well, but he's kind of got a little bit of that magic playmaking ability that not mm-hmm. every guy can make. Stephon Diggs, the Colts can shut down most receivers, but there's nothing you can do against elite route running. Yeah, like, yeah. He's just going to find ways to get open at all times. Like, the, the Colts could totally contain their run game. Like, Devin Singletary and Zach Moss, they they haven't done much this year, although I love Zach Moss. Um, Tennessee is Tennessee. We know the Colts can beat them. They can beat the Colts any given Sunday, really. I don't think I want to play the Browns. Um not that Nick Chubb is back because the Colts, the Colts got their ass beat by the Browns without Nick Chubb. Yeah, um, I forgot the Browns can technically still win that division. Yeah, that's that's a pretty stacked up thing. Cause all this is still shuffled because the Colts and Titans are technically yeah still outside fine. of the Chiefs. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think the, outside the, the Chiefs, everything's kind of set up. Yeah, the Chiefs have already clinched. Yeah, so they're number one. They've already clinched their division. The Chiefs are probably going to stay at number one. Yeah. So yeah, I uh, I think I I think I would like the Colts to play the Steelers as well. I don't want to play the Bills or the Browns. Um, then our next question, Andrew Miller, frequent uh, frequent flyer. Do you think Indy would have more successful attempts at sacking Deshaun Watson if they play man coverage and brought the safety? What do you think? Like brought the safety on a blitz. Yeah, I'm. I'm guessing Willis would, would be the safety in uh, in consideration there. Do you think they would have more? Do you think they'd be more successful at getting to Watson if they played man coverage and brought a safety as the as the extra blitzer? Not necessarily. I think. I think there's this misconception to a degree about blitzing mm-hmm. and what it does. I don't think you need to blitz to get pressure. You know, I, I, I think I think something like sim pressures create that same or like that same 
thing that a blitz does. You know, sim pressures, I, I wrote a whole article on about it last week for Stampede Blue. You can simulate pressure by having four or five, like, you know, five, six guys on the line of scrimmage and only bring four of them because it, it, it throws off all um, either if they're single, they, you know, a guy like Buckner can get more single blocks just by simply lining up Darius Leonard over the center every single snap uh, because that center has to account for Leonard and he's not able to help on, on DeForest Buckner. And Buckner will, will be able to beat someone like Zach Fulton on every single snap. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think there's ways to get pressure. I think you need to bring your safety down, especially against even against a guy like Watson. Um, and also, I think when you look at man coverage, for instance, like Brandon Cooks is not having an outstanding season, but throwing a guy like Xavier Rhodes over there, who Xavier Rhodes has been excellent in zone all year, it, you know, his speed is still not what it used to be. It's not to the level it used to be. I think a guy like Cooks could beat him deep, and that's where the Texans offense really thrives. The Texans offense thrives not really by consistently beating you underneath. They thrive by getting those occasional big plays by Deshaun yeah. Watson. So I would be less tempted to actually blitz and run man against the Texans because that opens up where if you make one mistake, if you miss Watson, he's going to find someone for a huge play. Yeah. Uh, I'd be more tempted to sim pressures like the Colts have always done against Watson. They've done this every single year against Watson. They're great at it uh, by simulating that pressure, getting Watson to read pressure, getting the offensive line to read pressure, and then bringing it from a different direction which gets Watson out of his comfort zone and then dropping into those zones and keeping everything in front. So he can't get those deep plays down the field. I think that's the best way to attack Watson. I think Eberflus knows that, um, you know, occasionally he's going to get that, that Deshaun Watson type play like he always does. Uh, but I think you open yourself up to more big play opportunities for Watson. If you bring pressure and go to man. Uh, and I think the Colts know that that's why they haven't really done that too much against the Texans over the years. Yeah, if if you bring that extra man and it's and you're not coming correct with it, you know the the Texans offense is basically the baseball team that's so reliant on the home run, but they have a yeah. shitty batting average. You know, they only yeah. win because of the home run. Uh, and I'm going to kind of tie my answer into this next question because it's pretty similar. Um, which would you call if you were Matt Eberflus to do to contain Deshaun Watson on a third down? Rush four per usual with the Leonard spy or change it up with a blitz, especially a Kenny Moore blitz from the slot. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I, I don't, I wouldn't call it a Leonard spy. Uh, I would simply just, no matter what you're gonna do with Leonard, if you're gonna have him just man up the check down, if you're gonna have him drop into a hook zone, uh, if you're gonna have him blitz even, or spy, so to speak, just almost every single third in, in passing situation, have Leonard over that center so the center has to account for them and they can't double team Buckner or Autry on the interior or Houston on the outside. Take away their chances to double team these guys and count on a guy like Buckner beating Zach Fulton or uh, Kelameche, I think is the other guy's name or or um, uh, Max Sharping, who actually had a decent game last time, but Buckner can still beat him. You know, trust that your superstar can win his one-on-one -on -one matchup, but make it, make it a one-on-one -on -one matchup. Uh, so I guess technically I would pick the Leonard spy to a degree, but it's more of just that positioning of Darius Leonard. I don't care if he's in spy. I don't care if he's in hook zone or man, uh, just get him over that center and make that center's eyes have to stay on him until he knows Leonard's blitzing or not. You can even have a delayed blitz with, with Leonard to keep that center, uh, you know, honest to that blitz. Uh, but just give Buckner and Autry on the interior on obvious passing situations, give them those one-on-one -on -one looks and you're going to be able to get home against Watson or at least, you know, make him, uh, get out of the pocket and, and, be a little you know sped up in this process yeah i uh 
it's it's not quite you know the the same type of spy and in, in zone coverage obviously it's just kind of a matter i guess of how far back you drop leonard um but i i would guess they'll probably you know keep him keep him in in zone coverage stand in the middle with him cognizant of where watson's going on the outside um and the the kenny moore thing i wouldn't i wouldn't bring it too much you know occasionally on a third down you know maybe have him cheat back a little bit but not something you want to do too much but i think they do find getting pressure on watson with four as is um, yeah if you're if you're getting home with four there's not really much need to pepper in a blitz all that often unless it's a critical down in the game so i would imagine it'll be business as usual uh so that is it for questions this week next up is going to be our NFL picks for the week. So I'll just run through each game, ask you who your feelings at. All right. So t- tonight, uh, the Chargers and Raiders has already started. But who you got on that? Well, who's winning right now? I'll go with I, Yeah, I haven't even checked. <laughs> <laughs> well, I haven't checked. Uh, I'll go with Chargers because it'd be better for the Colts if Chargers won. Yeah. I, uh, I picked the Raiders, even though they're very Jekyll and Hyde, but I picked the Raiders. Uh, next up, it is Buffalo at Denver. Ooh, that's that. You know, I don't like well, using the the, the first of two Saturday games. Yeah, I don't like using the term trap game, but that it is been a tough out this year. Um, I'll Drew go Lock's with Buffalo, mm-hmm. but it wouldn't shock me if Denver won this one. Yeah, Drew Lock is heating up a little bit. Um, I was uh, I was going with Buffalo, obviously as well. Uh, the second Saturday game, Carolina at Green Bay. Green Bay. Yeah. Uh, now moving to yeah, no, no question. Moving to Sunday, <laughs> Tampa Bay at Atlanta. Ooh. That's a trap. That's a trap game right there. Tampa Tampa rarely plays up to their potential, and it, Atlanta can can sneak up and just bite you. It's weird because Atlanta's defense has been playing better lately, but their offense is kind of sputtering. Mm-hmm. I'll go with Atlanta. I'll go with Atlanta on that one. Ooh, spoiler. Okay. Tampa. Tampa for me, the favorite. Uh, Detroit at Tennessee. Tennessee. Stafford's probably out, so yeah, Tennessee. Un- unfortunately, yeah. Um, let's see. San Fran at Dallas. This is a game no one wants to watch. San Fran, because Dallas is awful. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> same here. Uh, da, 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 da. Houston at Indy. Indy. Indy, absolutely. Obviously. I think I've only picked against the Colts like once or twice this year, and they, of course, won when we, I picked we, against them. We did this for uh, – we did staff picks. I Like, I participated in staff picks with Stampy Blue a couple uh-huh. years ago, and I just picked Indy for every single week. Even even if I thought it would be a loss, I was like, ah, I'm just going to keep picking Indy. Yeah. <laughs> we'll Unless they're facing a team like the Chiefs. <laughs> yeah. Last year wasn't this. You don't want to – there wasn't a lot of confidence in those last year. Uh, Chicago at Minnesota. Minnesota. Um, I could see that going either way, though. Yeah, same here. Uh, Seattle at Washington football team. See, that's a tricky one, too. This, that's a sneaky game right there. If Alex Smith plays, I'd say Washington. But if it's Haskins, I'll, I'll say Seattle just because I think it's going to be Haskins that plays. And, and I don't Ky- trust Haskins. And Kyle Allen's out for the year. Is that right? Yeah, dude. His foot was, like, turned the other way. Oh, that's – yeah, 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 yeah. He had the, a gross ankle injury, too. That's right. Yeah. I forgot what his injury was, but yeah, that uh, that'll do it for the year right there. Yeah. Uh, New England at Miami. 
Oh, man, I really want New England to win. I'm going to go with New England because I want them to win. Let's go with New England. Well, because of the playoff contention, yeah. Yeah, um, knock Miami out. <laughs> yeah, the, these are these are the games they drafted. I'm going to pick against all four. the teams that the Colts need to like. Well, you picked <laughs> Ten- pick pick Tennessee. What the hell are we doing? <laughs> well, okay, look, I'm not going to pick uh, Chase Daniel to beat them on the road. Oh, man, <laughs> they had that Purdue quarterback last year, David Blow or Blau Black or whatever. Blau, yeah. Um, okay, Jacksonville at Baltimore. I, I can't pick Jacksonville. <laughs> I mean, look, Baltimore's winning out. They they have nobody decent the rest of their way. So uh, Baltimore for sure. Yeah. Oh God. Now th- this one, uh, this one, next one's pretty obvious. Jets at Rams. <laughs> Rams are gonna kill them. Yeah, that's that's that really one's gonna be ugly. In my home Aaron league. Donald. <laughs> oh God! In my home league for fantasy, I uh, I have the the Rams defense, and I wouldn't be surprised if they're like my second highest scoring player this week. I'm very excited about that. I'd be like 45 <laughs> points out of. Them. Oh God, yeah. Um, Eagles at Cardinals. This is another one, especially with Jalen Hurts now under center for the Eagles, where it's kind of tough to pick. I'm gonna go Cardinals with that, but another one where I could see it kind of going either way. Yeah, same here. Uh, Chiefs at New Orleans, obviously another one. I'm actually gonna go New Orleans mainly because I was talking to some of my Chiefs buddies earlier today. We were on Zoom watching some prospects, and the Chiefs look like they're gonna be starting Yasir Durant at left tackle, and oh, somebody who I can't even remember who it was at right tackle. Apparently, the Chiefs' offensive line is like down to third and fourth stringers across the board. Like really. It is going to be like again if if Pat Mahomes throws for four hundred, it wouldn't shock me because Pat Mahomes isn't isn't real. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> but Cam Jordan and Trey Hendrickson should have huge games because they're they basically have traffic cones blocking them in this They've, game. The so. Chiefs have struggled to put together sixty minutes lately. I mean, yeah. New Orleans. Yeah. So I'm actually going to go with you know Taysom Hill. I don't trust, but I'm going to go with Saints just because I think their defense is playing really well and. I don't really know who's going to block those pass rushers they have. Yeah, I uh, I'm picking the Chiefs just because I it's very hard for me to pick against Mahomes. Doesn't shock me. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I mean if they won, it wouldn't shock. Like if Mahomes put up 600 yards passing, it wouldn't shock me. He's, he, yeah. He <laughs> uh, Browns at Giants. I'm going to go with Browns just because I don't trust Colt McCoy or Freddie Kitchens calling the play. Yeah, I see. I I think. Cleveland is at their like ideal recipe on offense now. They have Chubb back with yeah. Hunt, so they have two really high level running backs. And I mean, you're never better without OBJ, but there's not that pressure there for Baker. Mm-hmm. Baker is really comfortable with like um, Richard Higgins and throwing to the running backs and um, and Landry. It felt a little forced with OBJ, and he seems more comfortable yeah. now. He's he's on a bit of a roll. Uh, and then Monday night's game, Steelers at Bengals. I can't pick the Bengals, man. It has been no. Steelers. I mean, who are the Bengals trotting out a quarterback? Isn't it Ryan Finley or Brandon Allen or someone? I think it's Allen. I don't. I don't know. Yeah, no. Have to I have no. I have no need to pay attention to the Bengals quarterback nope. situation. Nope. Not for fantasy or anything. Um. <laughs> no, it's uh, yeah, and I don't, I don't think I want the Colts playing a pissed off Steelers team that just lost to the Bengals, so nope. I'll, I'll say Steelers. All right, 
that's a wrap on our first show together, brother. Um, everybody, thank you for joining this new era of Believe in Colts with our new co-host, Zach. Painless, right? I, I, I like this format a lot better. I, uh, I don't have to record a hundred different segments by myself and stop and chop everything. I think this flowed pretty well. Yep. Remember, guys, listen on one and a half and two speed with us. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to be long. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, please remember to subscribe to the show and rate us on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, whatever you guys call it nowadays. Uh, we can be found on there, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, be sure to follow the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Believe in Colts. Me at Jake Arthur NFL on Twitter and Facebook, as well as Jake Arthur underscore on Instagram. And Zach at Zach Hicks two on Twitter, and that's your that's your Instagram also, right? Probably, I don't know. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> You're not on there a lot. Um, not really. <laughs> my uh, my written work can be found on Sports Illustrated at allcolts.com, and Zach is on Stampede Blue. Now you you've got a couple other lines in the water. Is that right? You're not just Stampede Blue. Yeah, Cover One. Uh, I do some okay. work for Cover One. Uh, we're starting a prospect film series there. That's going to be a lot of. Um, uh, one on like well, I guess one two on one interviews. Me and me and my uh, coworker Russ Brown. Uh, we're going to be interviewing players and breaking down film with them. It's going to be a really really cool series going forward. Um, but yeah, we're going to do some other stuff with Cover One as well. Uh, so yeah, definitely check out that site if you're a big draft nerd like like we are here. Absolutely, yeah. So we're uh, you know that we we got our first trial run in here, uh, adding Zach to it. I, I think we'll we'll. Uh, evolve the show a little more and and give you guys even more good content, good segments. Uh, if you guys have any questions that you'd like us to answer on the show, please send them through email at believe in Colts at gmail.com or respond when we send out the call for questions on Twitter each week. This episode was brought to you by bet online. If you're interested in advertising on believe podcasts, please contact them at believe.com. Or if you just want our show specifically, just shoot us an email. You guys will hear from us again after Sunday's game as we break it all down. Stay safe and have a great weekend. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.